0: Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. All right, let me call our attention one more time to the book of James, chapter number one, James, chapter number one. Uh, We've been in this for quite a few weeks at this point, and we are going to look at this morning verse 22 through verse number 25, but as we consider those, we need to pick back up in verse number 19 and read down through verse number 25 Uh, so that we have a clear understanding of what the Apostle James is saying in these verses. Let's go back to verse number 19. The Bible said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Our text verses, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was." But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. Let's pray. Father, once again we come to you knowing that it is through the Holy Spirit of God that we gain entrance. It's, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we gain entrance into You. And, and Lord, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit of God and Your Word in our lives that makes a difference. We ask You this morning that You would illumine Your Word. Lord, may it shine forth in our hearts and in our lives And Lord, may we glean from this scripture this morning that which you have for us that will aid us and help us in our walk for you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The section of scripture that we're looking at this morning many times is taken out and set aside by itself. But if we are going to correctly understand what James is saying in these verses of scripture, then we must understand what he said before he got to this point. Do you remember, I remember and and I'm older than some, younger than some uh, but I remember when you used to be playing the radio or the TV was on and there was a certain set of tones that would come across the television or the radio. And the phrase to follow that would would be, this is a test. This is only a test of your emergency broadcasting system. And it would tell us what that test was about. Well, can I say to you this morning... Some people may look at this passage of Scripture as this is a test. This is only a test. But I'm telling you this morning, this is not a test. This is not a test. If I were to sound those tones before you, my statement would be this is not a test. This is not only a test. It is not a test. The way that many, the vast majority, view this section of James is that it is a test. That it, that it is a test that shows where you are in Christ. If we, if, if we take this section out and we set it over here by itself, you may can misinterpret it to say that. But if you look at it in its context, In what other scripture around it is saying, you're going to understand that it is not a test. It's already been said this morning, the book of James is not telling us that God is testing us to enable us to see ourselves. God allows those things to come in our life. He allows those trials, as James has mentioned in the early portion of chapter number 1, God allows those trials to come in at our, into our life that we might see him yes. and his faithfulness. Yes. I don't know about you. Well, I say that, I guess, a little facetiously and a little sarcastically. I say I don't know about you, but I do know about you because you're the same thing as I am. You're made in the same likeness as I am. You're made in the same flesh as I am. And I understand that we can't keep it. And we're, uh, we're, we're not going to uphold things for a very long period of time. We're going to give in to this or give in to that or do this or do that. So God is not trying to show us ourselves. God knows who we are, does he not? Right. I mean, he knows exactly who we are. He knows that we're a failure. So he's not trying to get us to see ourselves. He's trying to get us to see him. He does want us to see ourselves but he wants us to see ourselves in light of him. So as we come to this text to rightly understand this text, we can not disregard the first 21 verses that James has mentioned. This may be one of the places in the word of God where chapter and verse May not be the best thing. Why? Because we feel like we can take these verses out and make them stand on their own. They're not. James is not changing his mind. He's not changing his idea. He's not changing his focus. He's not changing what he is teaching. He's continuing to teach what he's been teaching down through this passage of Scripture. In fact, let's go back to verse number 19 and let's just walk down through here and we'll get to the verses that we're looking at this morning. And hopefully if we do this this way, we can better understand what James is trying to tell us. He tells us in verse number 19, he said, "Wherefore." First of all, that tells us that this verse don't stand by itself. Even verse number 19 that's where we went back to but even verse number 19 is not a stand alone verse. It's not even a standalone section. James said wherefore. Why did he say wherefore? He said because of everything I've just told you previously. He said wherefore my beloved brethren he's talking to people specific. This is not a This is not a broad statement. He's talking to brethren. If he's talking to brethren, they are what? They are believers. They are people who are walking with Christ. He said, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be what? Swift to hear. He gives us some things here. He said, we're to be swift to hear. We're to be slow to speak, and we're to be slow to wrath. Why does he tell us to be slow to wrath? We looked at this last week. He tells us to be slow to wrath. He explains that in verse number 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. What are you saying? What is James saying? James is basically telling us that for us to go out here and display some righteous anger toward sin is not going to bring about the righteousness of Christ. Right. It's just not going to do it. Going out here and condemning people is not the way to win people to Christ. Right. How do you win people to Christ? You show them Christ how did how were you one to Christ was it not Christ what what is it that brings us to Christ it's the love of God the love of Christ that constrains us to come to him that draws us to him he said the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God then he tells us here in verse number 21 he said wherefore because because the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of Christ, he said, lay apart. Because because man's wrath is not going to produce the righteousness of God, he said, then therefore, you that are the beloved believers, the beloved brethren, he said, lay apart all filthiness. Why why do we lay these things apart? We lay these things apart that others may see Christ. We lay apart all filthiness, all superfluity of naughtiness. And what does he tell us to do? He tells us to lay those things apart and to do what? Receive with meekness. What? The engrafted word of God. He's telling us that we are to receive the word of God. We're to lay those things aside in our life. The book of Hebrews tells us to lay those those things that so easily beset us. To lay those aside. James is telling us to lay all filthiness, all superfluity of naughtiness. Lay those things aside. And... Do what? Receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God. That word engrafted, I was telling the men on Tuesday night, I told them, I said, I meant to bring this out last last Sunday when I was talking about this section of Scripture and Brother Ricky chimed in and he said, well, you can bring it out this Sunday. So here it is. (laughs) That word engrafted that he's talking about in that verse of Scripture means imparted by others. Remember I said last week that James is not talking about the individuality of our lives. He's talking about us corporately. He's talking about us together. He hasn't changed his mind when he said, James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting." He's talking to a collective group of people. He's telling us as a church. He's telling us as a group of believers to lay aside that all filthiness and to lay aside the superfluity and naughtiness. If we do that as a group, that's going to kind of bleed over into our individual lives, is it not? So he's telling us to do that He's instructing us to do that, and He's instructing us to receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God, the imparted by others Word of God. Why receive? He goes on to tell us, because, why do we receive the Word of God? Why does He want us to receive the Word of God? He tells us in the latter part of verse number 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the grafted word of engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. He tells us this because it is able to save our souls. He's not talking about the eternal side. Who's he talking to? He's already talking to believers. He's not talking about the eternal salvation that we've already experienced in our lives. This salvation of our souls means to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger. He's telling us to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God so that it will keep us safe, so that it will keep us sound, so that it will rescue us from danger. And then he goes into the verses in which we're going to look at this morning. He said all of that, and then he says, but. I I know that all of us went through some kind of English class, but is what? It's a conjunction. It adds two things together. It pulls them together, and that's what he's doing here. So we can't. We can't leave what we've just looked at. We can't leave that behind because this is a conjunction that's putting them together. He said, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He said that we are to be doers of the word, not hearers only. I've already told you, He's talking to us in a what context? In a corporate context. He's talking to us as a group of believers. And He's telling us that we are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Why? Why are we to be doers of the Word and not hearers only? He tells us that. Because... That is deceiving ourselves. That deceiving ourselves is the practical means of deceiving by false reasoning. When you look at this passage of Scripture, when most people look at this passage of Scripture, there's there's basically two types of people that are going to look at this passage of Scripture. There are going to be those that, when, when you read those verses, be doers of the Word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves, when you hear those verses, there are going to be two types of people. It's going to be those people that's going to say, oh no, I, I, I've, not, I've not done enough. I've not completed enough. I've not, I, I, I've not achieved this point in my life. Or there's going to be another group of people that's going to sit there and say, it's about time that the preacher tells the rest of the crowd how to live because of the way they're living's not the way I'm living. So you're either going to have those people that are going to be scared to death about what God's about to tell them or you're going to have those people that are going to look and say, it's about time somebody tells this other crowd how to live. That's not what James is saying. That's not what James is telling us at all. What does this doing, not hearing only, look like? James doesn't leave us out here in the open. James doesn't leave us here wondering, what what in the world are you talking about, James? He doesn't stop off with this verse of Scripture, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He don't stop there and say, now you deal with the rest of it. He goes on to explain exactly what he's talking about, exactly what he's saying. And he's not saying what 90% of the people would tell you that he's saying. Look at what he does say here. He does not drop this so-called bomb and say, now you figure the rest of it out. He explains. Let's look in verse number 23. He instructed us in verse number 22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves he goes on to explain exactly what he's trying to tell us in verse number 23 he says this for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass he tells us in verse number 23 he said a hearer and not a doer is like. I know there's other words in there, but that's basically tells, he's basically telling us in verse 23, he's basically saying a hearer and not a doer is like. And this is what he looks like. Look at what he explains to us in verse number 24. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You could you could take out. I'm not saying that that some of these words aren't important. They are important. The entire Word of God's important. But James makes this statement in verse number 23: A hearer and not a doer is like. This is what he's like in verse number 24. He beholdeth himself. Goeth away and forgetteth what manner of man he was. He's saying, Those that are hearers and not doers are as if they came to the Word of God. Is that not what is the mirror that we're talking about? It's the Word of God. What do we look like in light of the Word of God now? Again, there's people that could misconstrue that statement that I just made and take the Bible and use it. In fact, there's a, there's a multitude of them that are standing in pulpits across this nation that are taking the Word of God and using it for a billy club to beat God's people with. Shame on them. Shame on the times that I've done it in my life. That's not what God's doing, and that's not what God's telling us. God is instructing us what it looks like if you're a hearer and not a doer. He tells us. He uses the word but. And in verse number 25, he said, in verse number 24, he said, He beholdeth himself, then goeth away, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Then in verse number 25, he says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth. All of this this is going together. He's saying if you're looking into the word of God and you're beholding and you see what? You see yourself. And you go away and you soon forget, then you're a hearer and not a doer. What does he tell us about those that are doers of the word? In verse number 25, he said, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer. Don't you miss that? What did he say about the other man? The one that comes in and looks into the Word of God and he sees himself and forgetteth the man he... What does he say? The man he was. Yep. That's past tense, is it not? Right. Right. He said he's a hearer and not a doer. You want to find out what the doer is? Look in verse number 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. He's basically saying, He who looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. In order for us to understand this, we've got to understand something this morning. And this is where everybody gets it wrong. Where did he say the second man was looking unto? He's looking in unto the perfect Law of Liberty. You know where you know where so many forget and so many go wrong. They stop off when they say the perfect law, but that's not where James stopped. He said the perfect law of liberty. In order for us to understand this, we've got to understand some things about the law and the law of liberty. There are three uses to the law when you consider the law and that is what that is what so many so many people bring back in that they they end up mixing the gospel and they end up mixing the law into it. And they come up with something called gospel or or something, some other something, but it's not the gospel and it's not the law. They're separate. They don't mix. They don't go together. Christ uses both of them, but he uses both of them separately. Understand, there are three uses of the law. Number one, the perfect law. The law of condemnation, the schoolmaster bringing us to salvation. The perfect law was that law that showed us who are saved that we could not save ourselves. How many kept all of the law? Ever lied? Ever? (laughs) We can go down through the list. I'm not going to go down through it this morning. Because I don't want people saying, well, we didn't talk about that one, so I'm okay over there. The whole law. What does God Brother Ricky, what does what does Christ tell us about the law? If we have if we have missed it in one point, we missed it in everything. So the law, the perfect law, is that schoolmaster that brings us to salvation. It's that schoolmaster that teaches us and shows us that we cannot keep the law. There's only one who did, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the second use of the law, the civil use of the law. That is to govern us as we dwell on this earth together. That's the, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false witness. Those are those things that allow us to live together and to use one of the words that the world, the whole world's going crazy over. We can coexist. The law, the civil use of the law, that's where we get our laws, that's where we say We don't we don't impede upon others. We don't break this law to to we can have what we can have if we want. We can have the pursuit of happiness. But if my happiness runs all over yours, my happiness is not right. So there is a civil use of the law. Then we have the law of liberty. Here's what I want you to understand. The law of liberty is where we can, and don't you miss this, don't you miss this. The perfect law of liberty is where you and I can obey the law imperfectly. We're not perfect. But we can still obey the law that God has laid down. We can do it imperfectly. We're, uh, I, what I'm trying to say is we're not doing that to, in order to, to gain us any standing before God. Right. We're doing it because it's just right to do before others. The perfect law we cannot keep. Guilty of one, guilty of all. The, the, the civil use of the law, don't steal, don't kill, don't bear false witness rules how we live in this life but the law of liberty is that law that you and I can live by imperfectly what was what if you took the first use of the law what did that use of the law bring it brings condemnation what did Christ say that there is now for those that are in Christ no more condemnation There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What are you saying? James is telling us and he's pointing us to those that are doers and not just hearers only. Are living in that perfect law of liberty. We're obeying that law imperfectly. Where do we find the law of liberty? Where is their liberty? In Christ. Why? Because he has done it all. Amen. He's completed it all. He's finished it all. What did he say he came to do with the law? He came to finish the law. Now we're in Christ. He finished it perfectly. He kept the law. That is the reason because we're in Him, there remaineth now no more condemnation for us. For those that are what? In Christ Jesus. Man, it all makes sense when you look at it properly. When you look at it right, we don't walk out condemned. We don't walk out... Uh, we don't walk out with our, our bottom lip dragging the ground. We walk out encouraged that there is a Christ who kept the law for us. And he's telling us that those that see that are the ones that walk away being the doers. Christ is our sufficiency. Christ is our sufficiency. We must be what we are seeing. As we we look into the mirror of the Word of God, what we've got to see is not ourselves, but Christ. If we see ourselves, what is that called? Self-righteousness. (laughs) I have been this way in my life in times past. And I know other people that are that way today that walk in self-righteousness. I don't live that way. I don't go to those places. I don't do those things. So what? What matters is are you in Christ? And what matters when you look into the mirror of the Word of God, what matters is what do you see? Do you see yourself or do you see Christ? Because if you see Christ, you'll see the sufficiency. If we look at ourselves, if I were to look at the mirror of the Word of God and I began to look at myself, this is what I'm going to see. I'm going to see incomplete, insufficient, unpure, defiled, worthless, and empty. If I see all of that, how am I going to walk away condemned? That is the reason the perfect law of God brought you to salvation. The perfect law of God showed you That you were incomplete, that you were insufficient, that you were impure, that you were defiled, that you were worthless, that you were empty, and you turned to Christ. And in turning to Christ, now we look into the Word of God and we see Christ and we see Him complete, we see Him finished, we see Him sufficient. We see Him pure. Is that not what James told us in chapter number 3 and verse 17? He said, but the wisdom that comes from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle. We find that is pure. We find that that is undefiled. We find that that is valuable. We find that that is full. You say you're twisting all of this. Well, let's look at what John said in John chapter 15, verse 11 and 12. We won't turn there this morning, but he says this. These things, this is Jesus talking. You don't want to take what James said? Listen to what Jesus said. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. But he didn't stop there. And that your joy might be full. He didn't stop there. He said in verse number 12, This is my commandment, that ye loved one another as I also loved you. You, you want to find out what being a doer of the Word is? Love your neighbor. Love God. God didn't give us a complicated list. I don't have to look back and say, oh no, I didn't cross off number 35. I got two. Love God. Love my neighbor. Do I fail in that? Miserably most of the time. But you know, I can always look back in the Word of God and I can see where Christ didn't fail. And because of that, I can go on. Let me ask you this question. What do you see when you look into the Word of God? If you see you, you're going to see two letters. A great big old D and a great big old O. Right. That's where people are messing up in this passage of Scripture. They're looking at this passage of Scripture and they're... They're they're putting upon themselves a do. When, in essence, if you're looking at it like James is telling you to look at it, in the perfect law of liberty, you're going to see Christ, and you're not going to be seeing the letters D O, you're going to see the letter D O N E. Done. It's complete. It's finished. When you look into the Word of God, and this is what James is telling us, and if, if you see anything contrary to that in this verse of Scripture, you come tell me. But he said that when one man looks in there and he does not see how he was, then he walks away, he forgets, and he's not a doer. He tells us otherwise the one that is the doer is the one that's looking at the perfect law of liberty. That law of liberty is in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you look into the Word of God, you're going to see one of two things. You're going to look at yourself or you're going to look at Christ. Nothing else to see. If you look at you, you're going to walk away condemned. If you see Christ, you'll walk away in rest And in liberty. So when you look into the Word of God, do you see yourself? Or do you see Him? It's one or the other. If you see yourself, we're a hearer and not a doer. If we see Him, it's already done. Let's look at Him this morning. Let's understand that He's finished the Word. Yeah. And that when we look at the law, when we, when we are called to be obedient, understand that the only way we can be obedient is in Him. You, you <laughs> No matter how hard you try, you can't quit doing whatever it is that you're doing. It has to be God that quits it in you. Or either it don't last. Let's pray.